Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Lenten worship series, we've been focusing on those things that Christians do that perhaps we should stop doing, things that we should consider sealing away in the tomb and not releasing come Easter or any other day again. And today we're going to talk about a mindset that then becomes the way that we act and are present in the life of the church, and that is when we turn ourselves to consumer Christianity. Now, this is not a critique on consumerism. This is not certainly about economics. I do not have a background in economics, nor is this about capitalism. But we do live in a world, and especially in a nation, that has that kind of economy, a capitalistic economy. And consumerism in that form means that we, the consumer, are empowered through the use of our monetary wealth and resources to participate in an economy through our ability to purchase goods, and services. And so together we are enriching and deepening the economy, but that is not what we are talking about in the church. The idea of a consumeristic Christian in the church is a Christian that comes in and has a mindset of, let's see what I get out of church today. What am I getting? Versus a Christian, like Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, what am I giving? We're called to serve. We are called to be those that recognize that we have already gotten. We have received unparalleled grace. We are those that have gotten forgiveness when no one else would forgive us. We have received richly and abundantly. So why is it sometimes we arrive at church and want to know, what else am I getting? What is the icing on the cake? The icing on the cake is that even as we continue to be in the world and sometimes continue to sin, there is always more cake. There is always more grace. We never have to worry about consuming it to the point that there is none left. And what happens about, about 10, 15 years ago, there was this critique that a lot of churches were turning inward to this consumeristic mindset. Right? What do we have to do so that people will want to come to church and so that people will want to be a part of the church so that they feel like they're getting something? What are you getting? Well, there's no cost-to-benefit ratio in Jesus Christ. We are way in behind in paying up if we are going to look at life that way. We will never be worthy of what God has given to us. God has created us. God has known us. God has chosen us to be children of God. Even when we are willfully disobedient, even when we have sin, breaking God's law, breaking God's heart, and hurting other children of God, God continues to claim us. God has known us from before the day of our birth. And because of that, we have been given this relationship. And it's the relationship that is the emphasis in Christianity. It is not about a balance sheet. It is about the connection that we have, first with God and then with others. And when we look instead at our ability to come and be present as an opportunity to be in the midst 
of God and others who have come to worship God, it transforms what we think is happening. You see, there is one glorious thing that always happens when you come into a sanctuary for worship. God always meets you here. Always. And God was so determined to always meet you here that when this sanctuary and every other sanctuary like it was completed, there was a prayer of consecration and an invitation to the permanent indwelling of a piece of God's self here. And God has done that. God has made it so that not only when you show up at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, but any time you come into this space, there is a piece of God here waiting to meet you. You never have to come here and wonder. We don't begin our worship services by going, oh God, please come back. We don't have to ask that God would grace us with God's presence. Instead, we rejoice that today we have graced God with our presence and that God has received us. It's a different mindset in how we approach what is happening here. Now, there have been plenty of times where I have received the critique from people, I didn't get anything out of worship today. I came and that just wasn't very good. I just got nothing out of it. And of course, there's a piece of me, a rather large piece of me that wants to go, well, what did you put in it? What did you bring in order to receive? But we don't come here so that God might pour out blessings upon us. This is not prosperity gospel. We come here because we want to be with God. And we want to experience God in other people which is how God chooses to reveal God's self to us so much of the time. And because of that, we recognize that the place that we have with others in the church is not about making sure that all of us are getting the exact same thing. God gives what we need. And sometimes we need to know that we can just pour out ourselves. Have you ever come into the church and it was such a hard week that you feel that you have no energy, no passion, your spirit is hanging by a thread. But when you come to church in this state, you can literally lay it on the altar. And God will take your weariness. God will give you rest. God will even surround you with those who wish to uplift you and uphold you in your time of need. Now, some of us come in here because it's been a great week. We've had a joyful experience, and we come here, and we want to share that joy with God. We want to share it with other people. We are grateful for what we have, and God wants to receive that as well. So we pour out our energy and our enthusiasm into our prayers, our liturgy, into our praise songs. We pour it out into all that we are so that the offering of our energetic selves is joyfully received, not only by God, but by others. And so our desire to come and to give is a foundational part about what we experience. That's why there's been a shift from calling worship a service. Because in the economic mindset, a service is something that you pay for. A service is something that you expect to receive. But Christ did not come to be served. Christ came to serve. And as Jesus said, the greatest among you will be slave of all. Your priority will be unending service. Service to God, service to the world, service to one another. Not focusing on, what am I getting out of this? 
Because if you're focused on what you're getting out of this, Christianity isn't going to last very long. Because sometimes you're going to do all that you can and someone's not going to feel like it's enough. I have had many conversations with clergy as they are coming up through the ordination process by virtue of my position now on the Board of Ordained Ministry. And one of the things people wrestle with is the need to please people, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Are you going to please people or are you going to please God? Now on a great day, you somehow manage to navigate both of those. But as I've told plenty of people, I just assume that I'm going to make somebody angry every Sunday. I assume that today could be your day. <laughs> I assume that because I'm not going to make everybody happy. You are not going to make everybody happy. Jesus couldn't do it. Neither will you. We know this. We know this. But how hard is it when you disappoint somebody? Especially somebody that you love, somebody that you respect, somebody that you want to experience that joy that comes when they are so glad that they know you and that they have gotten to see and experience you at your best. And when we fail, we often feel like we have let them down. And when we fail in a way, yes, we have let God down. But it's not in the failure that we let God down. It's in the refusal to be reconciled after the failure that we disappoint God. God is here, waiting for us to come back. And that reconciliation is so important because at the end of the day, the greatest thing that God ever gives us is forgiveness. It's that grace that we get. The idea that God looks at us and says, I know what you have done. I know what you are doing. And in infinite wisdom, God knows what we will do when we leave this place. And yet... God says, I will give you grace abundant for all of that and so much more. The well of God's forgiveness will never run dry. You will never thirst for that righteousness that we spoke of a moment ago. That righteousness will be yours because God has ensured that when you want it, when you need it, it is there, just as God is. And when we come ready to give all that we have, and for some of us, some days that looks like 10%, and for some of us that looks like 100%. And for some of us, we come in here and don't feel like we have anything left to give. That's when we ask for God to give us some of God's strength. Make our worship whole, O oh Lord. Be strong where we are weak. Be sufficient where we are failing. Give us what we need that we might honor and glorify you in all that we say and do, in all that we are. And that's a different way of approaching our relationship with the church, our relationship with one another. The church is not a club. It's not a country club. It's not a place where we come and go, I, I hope I'm getting my money's worth for this membership. That is not the church. That's why none of you are walking around with membership cards because that's not what it's about. If somebody wants to know that you are a member of the body of Christ, they will look at what you do and how you love other people or not. They will look at the way that you interact. They will listen for your words. They will bask in your presence that embodies the Almighty God or not. You don't need a card. You carry Christ. And that is an entirely different way of seeing ourselves. Because at the end of our lives, we may or may not have an estate. 
At the end of our lives in this world, we may have something to our name. We might have money in bank accounts or investments. We may have real estate. We might not. We might have possessions that we wish to leave to someone and rehome. But all of that will fade away. You will not take it with you. It's not coming into the next life. The only thing that will follow you is your identity in Jesus Christ. And that will be the only thing that matters. When you get before Christ, triumphant and resurrected, sitting on the throne, ready to separate us like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus isn't going to ask for your portfolio. Jesus is not going to look at you and go, did you make a wise investment in where you chose to buy your house? Jesus is going to look at you and say, did you forgive others as you have been forgiven? Did you welcome the stranger as I have welcomed you? Have you loved as you have been loved? Have you given what was freely and lovingly given to you? Not, did you hoard it all for yourself? Did you keep it so that it would continue to build on interest and then turn it back over to me? If you want what God has given you to bear interest and bear fruit, then you must give it freely without fear that you will lose it. It's amazing. The more that you forgive, the more you have the ability to forgive others. You don't run out of it. It's not like you only have 100 pieces of forgiveness, and if I use them all before I'm 40, then the rest of my life is anger. That's not how it is. Instead, God says, the more you forgive, the more you will find the power to forgive, and I will give it to you. Just as I forgive you, I will give you the ability to forgive. Now, God isn't keeping a tally sheet. That's not what God is doing. But God is asking us to look at how we come before the Lord. And there are a myriad of ways to do that. The Bible, from start to finish, outlines multiple ways that people come to worship. In the earliest accounts of worship, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, worship existed entirely as your offering. Can you imagine if we went back to that model? be a quick service. But would it be as satisfying to your spirit to be in the presence of God? Would it be as impactful to look around and note that there are others who are trying to be vessels of Jesus Christ, who are trying to take that grace and that love and that pardon and share it, not just with those who are here, but with those who aren't? And so when we come here, Sometimes we have to check at the door, not just our coats, but the things that cloud our minds, that make us think that the way that we are in the world out there is the way that we are meant to be in here, when it is the inverse of this, that really the way that we are in here, authentic, transparent, basking in the love of God, that is how we are commanded to go forth. We are commanded to take that feeling of knowing that we are loved, that we are forgiven, and spread it out there. That is why churches practice the sacrament of Holy Communion. For some of us, it is the one time all month that we get to experience some of the holiest of words. You are forgiven. And if you have ever had someone forgive a debt for you, 
if you have ever had someone forgive you of your trespass, if you have ever had someone forgive you of a mistake when you were just trying to do the right thing, then you know that there is nothing that is worth more than forgiveness. Nothing. And you can't buy forgiveness. Isn't it ironic that you cannot buy that which is most priceless? For God has already paid the price. And every year, the church across the world and for almost 2,000 years has been marveling at that truth. The gospel is often summed up in that verse from the gospel account of John, chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world, that God gave God's only son, God's self in human form, that all who believed in him would be forgiven. And that is about giving. It's about God giving of God's self, and God giving now of God's self in us recognizing that you have come here and if you get anything, it's more of God's self. Filling your heart and your head, the emptiness that the world carves into our being, God gives God's self to fill those voids. If you have ever lost someone and the only way you can describe it is that a piece of you died, then God wishes to fill that hole with God's self until that person is restored to you in the kingdom to come. And it is promises and hope like that that change how we think about what is happening in the church. The church's duty, the charge that Christ has given us, is not to make everybody happy. It is not to ensure that everybody would give you a five-star rating on Google. Instead, it is to be the most authentically Christ-like selves that we can be. And knowing that even if you make God perfectly happy, there is going to be at least one human being that will not. There is always someone who, for their own reasons, is struggling with this concept of grace. There is always someone who thinks to themselves, I don't believe this. Our job is is not to judge, it is just to lavish more love. And to do that, we can't think about what we want. We have to think about what God has given us to share. And so when you have your opportunity to go back out into the world, may you be blessed to have received something. May it have been insight, a moment's rest, an opportunity to be reminded that you are known and loved, Maybe it was a smile. Maybe it was a connection with another person. May you be blessed to have received. But if you did, know that then it is incumbent upon you to share that blessing with others. It is not for us to squander and hide and keep only to ourselves. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And a mindset that says, I am blessed simply because I am me, is not of Christ. And Paul was struggling with that. Long after he had his first conversions in Galatia, long after that, he heard news that now they had accepted a different gospel. They had accepted a gospel that started to confuse them about whether or not God's love was enough. Someone had come after the apostle Paul and had started to teach them that it wasn't enough to be a Christian. You had to be Jewish too. 
Most Christians would make lousy Jews. The second you start telling Southern Christians that they can't have crab, barbecue, and cheeseburgers, most of y'all are out. Understandably so. Instead, it wasn't about that. If it had been only about that, Jesus would have come and made everyone Jewish. Jesus came to make everyone children of God by God's own blood to make us part of the family. And that grace is what we have been given every day. When you wake up, you are a child of God. When you go to bed, no matter how bad that day went, you are a child of God. And when you think that you have failed every single person in the world, God still loves you. God still loves you. And because God still loves you, there are people in the church that will always love you too. So you will receive. You will be given things. But don't come ready to get. Come ready to give. And God will give you more than enough. There is this moment in Christendom, this moment in your faith journey, when things kind of shift for you. And you start to realize, you know, maybe it isn't about making people happy. Because if you've spent your life trying to make people happy, let me know how that's going. But when you learn to try to make everything that you do about serving God, you find that ever-elusive joy. It's more pervasive in your life. It permeates all the things of your life. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is everlasting. And to quote the scriptures, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning because that is when God revealed God's grace to us on Easter. It comes to us not to end here. We are not the end point of God's blessing. We are but a conduit through whom God is passing, who Christ is speaking and living and acting in the world. And if you have the opportunity to be a vessel of that, then you know there is nothing that you can ever get that is of greater use to you. To be part of God's work in this world is the highest calling. It is not to hold the office of clergy. It is not to be elected to a council or a presbytery. It is not to be the highest held office in a church. It is to be the best servant that you can be. To give all that you have. For our example is God. And God promises us that just when you think you have nothing more to give, God will give you all that you need and more. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.